this moment on, my brothers and I knew that we had truly become ninjas. Yeah, especially when I clobbered five guys all by myself. You didn't clobber five guys. Sorry, Grandpa. Three young brothers fight back against bullies, kidnappers, and even terrorists. Listen as we chat about motion sensors for kids, using swords to remove clothes, and what DARE stands for backwards. Then we find out if Three Ninjas stands the test of time. James and Alan have their say Do the movies you love still hold up today? James says gladiator with a glut Alan says as a father blah blah It's the test of time James and Alan have their say Do the movies you love still hold up today? Test of time James and Alan have their say Do the movies you love still hold up today? Hello and welcome to the Test of Time. I am James Brief, the first Ninja podcast host today, and joining me, the second Ninja podcast host, Alan Noah. Why are you first and I'm second? Because joining us is the actor who played Tum Tum. No, I wish. That'd be awesome. (laughs) Um, But looking at the uh, franchise, there's been like three people who played Tum Tum. So uh, uh, four, I believe. No, actually three. I actually looked it up. Oh. Um, the guy who played Tum Tum in this one, Chad Power, great name by the way. Yeah, he was in the first and third one because the third one they shot concurrently with the second one. We're getting ahead of ourselves, but now that we're talking about it, what would your ninja name be? There's Rocky because he's strong, and there's Colt because he's fast, and Tum Tum because he likes to eat. So what would your ninja nickname be, James? Um, player two. Mm, has to be one word. Hmm. Luigi. <laughs> your ninja name is Italian? <laughs> well, these kids are all as white as white bread, yet they're Japanese. Uh, they're part Japanese. Yeah, they're, they're a quarter Japanese. Right. Maybe the Japanese grandfather adopted the mom. But let's put a pin in the Three Ninja stuff for just a second, because I want to talk to you in a spoiler-free way about Thor Love and Thunder. Sorry, Thor colon Love and Thunder, because I believe this is the first in a while, like, new Marvel movie that you and I have both seen relatively soon after it's come out. So what'd you think? To correct that, I did see uh, Doctor Strange. Oh, okay. Um, and, uh, you know, Thor Love and Thunder is directed by uh, Thor Ragnarok director Taika Waititi. And yep. he's a very, very hot director right now. He had directed uh, Jojo Rabbit, a mockumentary called What We Do in the Shadows. And I was very much uh, looking forward to this film. I would say I had a lot of fun, but I would say that it was solidly not as good as Ragnarok. What did you think? Well, I think that's probably fair. And I think part of why maybe you, I know why I love Ragnarok so much, was because it was such a left turn. And Thor Love and Thunder is kind of more in that flavor, like more in that lane. And so it's just not as surprising as Ragnarok was. Ragnarok was really surprising. Like the tone, the sense of humor, 
everything in it was just like goofy and it was refreshing and fun. And this movie, Love and Thunder, has sort of the same tone, but it no longer feels fresh and original because we've seen it in Ragnarok and then in the subsequent Avengers movies. So it's a little bit less impactful. I said this was going to be a spoiler-free review, and it will be. There was one key thing that I thought was really anticlimactic and lame at the end of the movie, which kind of put a sour taste in my mouth. But I did really like Christian Bale as Gore. I thought he was really good. I still enjoyed the movie, but yeah, that one thing at the end, I didn't love. I don't know how to talk about that in a spoiler-free way. You make an excellent point because if Ragnarok did not exist and this was coming off of Thor The Dark World, this would be incredibly refreshing. But Thor Ragnarok is one of these films that you can sit someone down and just say quickly, like, no one's seen Hulk in a while and this story just takes place with Thor here. You don't really need much and you'll enjoy Ragnarok. I know because I've shown Ragnarok to people that are not comic book aficionados and they've liked that one. It's one of the best comic book films out there and this isn't as good. Um, I mentioned I'd seen Doctor Strange and I think also it was good I haven't been crazy about uh, this Phase 4. I like the Spider-Man No Way Home. That was good. Um, I guess they've announced like Phase 5 and 6 and the new Avengers films that are coming out. Yeah, I mean, I think Phase 4 has kind of gotten a bad rap. I loved Black Widow and I loved Shang-Chi. I thought those were great, great movies. Eternals... I think is a little bit unfairly crapped on. Like, it's not great, but it's also just different and heady and weird, and it's supposed to be all of those things. But Phase 4 has felt a little all over the map. It's going to end with Black Panther colon Wakanda Forever coming out later this year, and then next year starts Phase 5. I believe the first movie is uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp in Quantumania, I think which looks amazing. Bill Murray's in it. Like, holy crap. Like, I want to see Bill Murray in the MCU. I'm okay with some movies that are like a little bit disappointing. I was kind of disappointed by the end of Love and Thunder. I was kind of disappointed a little bit by the end of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. These things bum me out a little bit, but I'm still going to keep seeing these movies. I'm still enjoying them. And it's always a good time going to the theater. Eli and I go. We have a good time. So... I'm not really worried, you know? They're movies. They're fun. It's not bad. It's just um, I've been seeing this for a while. So the one thing about the multiverse is that they're making it obvious that we're going to keep this thing going for years and years. And we're going to have to find a way to recast these characters, you know, because they can't do it for 30 years. I feel like they could, maybe? No. I don't I mean, look at David Bautista. He said, this is my last uh, going as uh, Drax because he's like, I can't keep this physique forever. I mean, he's not going to be able to do that at 60. I think that's where Marvel's going with it. And they'll have some success and others there, there won't be because you got to get that sweet spot of a good story, a good director, and you just got to get an actor that people like. You know, sometimes casting just doesn't work. And, you know, sometimes you have a great casting of Ryan Reynolds as Green Lantern. It's just not going to work for other reasons. So I'm looking forward to seeing what happens, but it might just be a little more uh, of the same or it might surprise me. Yeah, I think 
the takeaway from this is like the surprise of Ragnarok is nice. And when you don't have that surprise, it feels like a little bit of a letdown. It's a formula and that has its pros and its cons, frankly. But let's talk about Three Ninjas. This came up a couple of weeks ago randomly. And then I saw that it was the 30th anniversary and I was like, okay, we need to do it. The universe is telling us to review Three Ninjas on the podcast. So had you seen Three Ninjas before? I had definitely seen the basketball scene because that's almost kind of like a meme. I don't know if you knew about that. No. The basketball scene is kind of like famous because it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. I feel like I have seen it because it just kind of seemed familiar, but I definitely didn't see it as a kid. I think I just kind of stumbled upon it one day, like on cable or something like that years ago, because it was vaguely familiar. Gotcha. Unless I'm thinking of all the movies that it rips off, and then it could be those. So I'm not sure. Right, right, right. I vividly remember seeing this movie in the theater. Wow. Yeah. I saw it with my sister when we were visiting our dad in California. Because this came out on August 7th, 1992. Right. And similar story will apply to next week's movie, but I won't get into that now. The thing about going to visit our dad was my sister and I could do something that we could not do at home in New York. We could walk to a movie theater. This was 1992, long before I had a driver's license. My dad and stepmom were working during the day. We were bored sometimes. So we were allowed to leave the condo, walk up the hill, and go to see a movie. There was a Carl's Jr. near the movie, which is a fast food restaurant on the West Coast. And we would get lunch, and then we would walk to the movie theater. It was called the Terrace Cinemas. It's apparently still there. I looked it up on Google Maps. And we would see movies sometimes. And really, there's three movies that I remember seeing at that theater. One is Three Ninjas. One is next week's movie. And another one is My Boyfriend's Back. You ever see that one? I vaguely remember that film. I never saw it. Is that like someone's boyfriend dies and then comes back to life? Yes, it's a Zom rom-com. Uh, and and I remember seeing these movies in the theater because it was such a big deal that my sister and I could just go to a movie, just the two of us. That was something I don't think we'd ever, ever done. And it was really exciting. So, yeah, I remember going to see this movie at that movie theater after having Carl's Jr. and just loving it as a kid. But for anyone who hasn't seen it, we'll just give a little recap of the movie. It's about three brothers who learn ninjutsu from their Japanese grandfather. Their grandfather is also, weirdly, former partners with a terrorist named Snyder. (laughs) And the boy's father is, coincidentally, trying to arrest Snyder. So the three boys get caught in the middle, and they have to use their ninja skills to save the day. So my sister Samantha and I paid money at the box office to see this. I assume a decent amount of other people did, too, because there were three sequels. This film, as I said, came out in August of 1992, and it opened at number four, but this was not going to open at number one. And this film could not have cost that much money to film. Definitely not. I mean, you you give these actors, you're like, kids, here's $25,000, or even (laughs) here's... 
$50,000 for all this. Uh, you know, it, it costs nothing to make this film. It opened with $5.8 million. It wound up earning $29 million in the box office alone. That's a 5.5 times multiplier. So it was around for a while. This was the kind of thing that I guess, yeah, when you have a place, you need to dump the kids for two hours in 1992, like your dad had to do. You send them down the street to the terrace theater and that's what you did right but um i want to talk about some of the things that i think 12 year old alan really really loved when i saw this movie with my sister first off the boys bedroom it's three of them in one room which you could say like oh that's too many kids in one room that would be annoying but in a movie it's great I love it. They're playing Super Mario Brothers 3, which is awesome. My favorite game ever. Apparently, they're playing the Japanese version of Super Mario Brothers 3, like the Famicom version. I saw that in the trivia. I wouldn't have been able to identify that from the four tenths of a second it's on screen. But the coolest thing in their room is the mom alarm. I love the mom alarm because they're like playing video games and one of them's talking on the can to his girlfriend, which is literally like a tin can wired across the street with the string, which no way it would sound that good. But whatever, fine. Like, that's pretty cool. And then when the mom is coming because they're staying up late doing things they're not supposed to, there's like a red light bulb that flashes and then they turn everything off and jump into bed. I just thought that was so cool. Oh, I thought that was really cool, too. And do you remember there were toys like that? There was one line of toys I thought was amazing called Spy Tech. No, I don't know what that is. Some of them were really stupid. Like, uh, it would call it like a long-range microphone. It was just a microphone that you'd listen uh, with headphones. And it had like a camera with a mirror that you could like take a picture behind you. But like, you know, when did that really ever come up? But it did have this one really cool thing. And it was the first time I'd ever seen it. It was basically an infrared uh, motion detector. And if you turn this thing on, it had a range of like... Five or six feet, you put it at the staircase. When you walked past the beam, it would start beeping. It kind of fascinated me as a kid. My, my uh, friend Joey had it, and he let me have it Like when I saw it as a teenager. And I'm like, is that spy tech? But that's not as cool as a mom alarm because then it's going off as soon as someone walks by and that person who tripped the alarm will hear the alarm. That is true. And uh, it actually does fit because later the film kind of goes into a home alone scene or two. And there's actually a reason why they have this uh, warning alarm that the burglar is going to be in there. So it actually at least makes sense that they already have this established. And they didn't, like, invent this right before the burglars come. Right. And even the can that they're using to talk to the girlfriend, that comes into play later. And there's a lot of things like that in this movie where something is introduced in one scene and maybe it's kind of a joke. But then it kind of pays off later and I wasn't expecting that. I kind of was expecting this movie to be just pure garbage. And there's some like plotting elements that do kind of work. Like the screenwriter puts something in the beginning and pays it off later. And, uh, you know, I, I think we should give the movie credit for that. Um, 
Well, I'll say that the kid actors, uh, they have varying degrees of acting uh, abilities. I would say Tum Tum, his most important acting is to be cute. And I think he is cute. Is he yeah. a great actor? I, I don't know. I actually thought the older kids were uh, were not bad for what they were supposed to do. And uh, Victor Wong, uh, the guy who played Grandpa, he's great. He's in the Mr. Miyagi role. He has to mentor these kids and teach them the martial arts and kind of be their inspiration. You're not expecting the kids to be amazing actors, and definitely 12-year-old me didn't care at all. Like, I just like the goofy lines, and there are some lines that I think go too far. Like, when uh, Tum Tum is fighting the burglars in their house, he says something like, don't you just hate me? Like, when he's, like, flinging CDs at them. Like, uh, I hate you now that you said that. That is what makes me hate you when you say, don't you just hate me? Shut up, kid. Uh, But honestly, like more of like the quote unquote zingers come from Snyder, the villain with the uh, terrible 90s ponytail. Like his lines are really just like right out of the gate terrible like the fbi comes to raid his like bad guy compound at the beginning he says nice of you to drop in and then like the ninjas drop in from ropes at one point he says god i love being a bad guy i love that line that line was fantastic well i mean i loved it in a like it's a 90s bad guy line i guess you know who had much better zingers and one-liners the three stoner guys who are like the enemies of, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes of the movie. They kind of come out of nowhere and then they're gone. But these guys are one note because the joke is like they're stoner surfer losers who have to kidnap the kids. But they had some pretty funny lines. One line that made me literally laugh out loud I wonder if it's going to be the same line that I thought was really good and I wrote it down. I wonder. They're like scoping out the house and they see all of these guys wearing jackets that say in big giant letters, FBI. And the leader says, who are these guys? They look like they're feds or something. That made me laugh out loud. That's objectively hilarious. I thought that was really, really funny. Oh, I I like that line too. I, I like the line where they're trying to kidnap the kids and they say, uh, what time does school get out? And the other guy goes, I don't know. I never made it to the end of the day. Yeah, that was funny. When they like first get into the house, they steal a pizza because the kids were ordering pizza. And then they're like, well, we should eat first before we kidnap them. And they say, first we feast, then we felony. That was mildly amusing. I like that line. And and like then like they're chasing the kids around and the kids don't realize that they're kidnappers. They think that they're burglars and they're like, no, 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 we don't want to hurt you. We're just here to kidnap you. This part of the movie is kind of funny. Of course, it's also a blatant Home Alone ripoff. Absolutely. To the point of like using the same staircase banister as a central part of their pranks. And, you know, they did the classic uh, soap on the floor and they even wound up uh, mixing in the laxatives. It's so stupid because they dump all of this laxative into like their Coke because remember they were eating pizza. And then the kid, Tum Tum, is like in the kitchen and goes, Mmm, this soda is so good. And then the bad guy's like, hey, don't drink my soda. I want some. Like, you would definitely taste that much laxative that they pour into the Coke. And I think I said this when we talked about Iron Giant. Like, 
laxatives don't work that fast. That joke to me is just never funny. Um, well, two things about that. Some laxatives you do not uh, taste, and some laxatives can't work that fast. So it could happen. Fine. That will just always make me roll my eyes. Everything in Home Alone with Kevin McAllister worked for me. The hot uh, door handle and a tarantula and, you know, all this stuff made sense to me that, that it would work. But there's one part where they're kind of locked in a room and one of the ninjas, he's dressed in white. So I guess in a dark room that's going to camouflage him because there's white um, drapes everywhere. Drop cloths, they're painting. Uh, is there light or not? And he basically <laughs> beats the shit out of them. And if there's no light in there, then wearing all white is a terrible idea. And if there is light, then why can't they see him? I mean, because they're really, really stoned. But um, yeah. it, it just bothered me that, like, in the confines of this small room, he's able to, like, punch them, not knock them out or anything. And then there's, like, where'd he go? I did not like that particular scene in the painting room. Fair enough. I will defend it only by saying that whichever kid it is, Colt or Rocky, who's in that room, he's taking his grandpa's advice. Use your surroundings. Use what's around you and make it work. That's like the code of the ninja. I get what you're saying about the lighting and it shouldn't really make sense, but he is using his environment as an ally in his fight. But um, I think the whole Home Alone sequence is good for this movie because the bad guys are goofballs. They're stoners. You don't really feel like they're really going to hurt these kids. And when you compare that to what happens later in the movie when they go onto Snyder's ship and then there's like real bad guys and these guys have swords and guns, then it just kind of feels like weird because these guys have like assault weapons and like they're aiming them at a 12 year old kid who can maybe punch pretty hard for a 12 year old kid i get it like okay they're upping the stakes now it's life or death but then it just kind of feels weird that there are like these adults who are going after the kids with these real weapons they get defeated by the three ninjas of grandpa and then they're like Oh, yeah, we also all have pistols. So then, like, a hundred of them take out a pistol. Right. I'm like, this is awesome. In reality, you'd think some of these ninjas should have a gun so they could kill these kids, and they do, but they're unable to kill the kids. Right, right. Along those lines, there's one part where a bad guy has a sword and is trying to decapitate this little 10-year-old boy. But don't worry, the boy gets the sword, and then he uses the sword on the bad guy— and he doesn't, like, cut off any limbs or anything. He just cuts the guy's clothes, and then his pants fall down, and you see that he's wearing boxer shorts with big red hearts. So it's embarrassing. Ha, ha, ha. LOL, 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 But, like, this kid took a lot of swings at this guy with the sword, and it only ever hit the cotton that he was wearing. There's, like, no scrape on this guy at all. No, because this is, by the way, a Disney movie. Right? Like, it's released by Touchstone, which is owned by Disney. Yeah, that's true. I mean, this exact thing would happen a couple of years later in a very successful film. Uh, Antonio Banderas and Catherine Zeta-Jones would be in The Mask of Zorro. And he would, like, swing his sword around. And then suddenly Catherine Zeta-Jones, 
all of her clothes fall off. Well, strategically, a couple stay on. Right. But um, I think it's her. Maybe it's another woman in the film. The whole point is, yes, Zoro is such a master swordsman. Like, that's what he does. He cuts a Z in you. He's that good. But this kid, I don't know if you're that good. I guess you are. Luckily, you are, because that's a real samurai sword. Right. And you shouldn't use swords to remove clothing. That's just not a good way to do it. Um, well, it's not efficient. Right, 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 right. Because then you can't use them again. That is very, very true. You mentioned Mr. Miyagi before, and the grandpa in this movie certainly has that kind of role. What's the difference between ninja and karate? Because I read something online today that said that really all this movie is, is karate. Like the moves that they show, the moves that are choreographed, it's all karate. And they don't say the word karate once in this movie. They only talk about Ninjas. Or ninjutsu, I think. And ninjutsu. Right. So, like, my guess is the reason they did that is because the Karate Kid was already a thing. They had already had three movies by the time this movie came out. Maybe four? I don't remember when the next Karate Kid came out. Doesn't matter. But the point is, is that ninjas just sound cool. Like, the word ninja sounds awesome. Do you remember the website realultimatepower.net? Ah, vaguely. It still exists. I pulled it up. The way it's written, it sounds like it was written by, like, a nine-year-old who loves ninjas. I'm just going to read a couple lines from it. Facts. Ninjas are mammals. Ninjas fight all the time. The purpose of the ninja is to flip out and kill people. I just have to read one more thing because I love this. I heard that there was this ninja who was eating at a diner. And when some dude dropped his spoon, the ninja killed the whole town. (laughs) I remember this site. Yeah, I mean, this is like back in the early days of the internet. You're talking, uh, you're talking things like Maddox and I can has cheeseburger. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, these are old, old, like crudely made internet websites. Yeah, I remember these were funny. I mean, that line still cracks me up to this day. Twenty, however many years later after it was written, he killed the whole town. That's hysterical. But, you know, talking about Grandpa, who is a ninja, his skills versus Mr. Miyagi, we only see Mr. Miyagi at a couple points, only one point really in uh, Karate Kid 1, and that is when he takes down Johnny and his crew, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, on Halloween night. He mostly does defensive stuff and then does a finishing karate chop on each of the kids. Yeah. In Karate Kid 2, he takes down Kreese by basically doing a really good dodge, and Kreese breaks his hand, uh, both of his hands, I believe. I think he punches, like, two different windows. Yeah. And then, you know, he's able to take him down with kind of a pressure point. And Mr. Miyagi always taught that you have to fight when you have to, but, you know, better to be smart and defensive than uh, necessarily have to uh, fight all the time. But Grandpa in Three Ninjas, he is a full-fledged ninja. Yeah. And because I can't prove it wasn't, I'm going to assume this is all Victor Wong because he's, you know, often wearing kind of a ninja robe and a ninja cowl over his face. The flips this older man can do are fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, He is in incredibly good shape. 
And they do not even try to make him like old man who isn't as good as he used to be. No, he is top of his game. And apparently, the three ninjas never once face the bad guys in any of their films. In the first two films, it's Grandpa that faces him. And they face like a lesser guy. Which in this film is weird because I feel like the lesser guy is the stronger guy. Right, he's very, very large. Yeah, I mean, this guy is huge. But the way that Grandpa beats Snyder, the main bad guy, is that he uses the jelly beans that Tum Tum has given him right before the fight. Because Snyder's about to kill him, and then Grandpa reaches into his pocket and puts the the jelly beans in his mouth. And then Snyder is like, what? Jelly beans? (coughs) I can't have three jelly beans in my mouth at the same time. And then, like, he's defeated. Well, to be fair, the guy was screaming, so his windpipe is open. So going right down that old trachea. I guess, but jelly beans is a pretty lame way to beat a bad guy. But Tum Tum is always thinking with his stomach, and in this case, he saved the day. Yeah, yeah, I get it. (laughs) Um, I don't know. I do love the part right after this where the kids are surrounded by ninjas, and one of them goes, we should run. The other goes, we should hide. And this was in the trailer. The third one goes, we should kick their butts. And guess which one they choose? Hide. Nope. Run? Nope. Uh, what was the third one? Kick their butt. Oh, I bet that's what they do because the movie's called Three Ninjas. That is what they do. They kick their butts. Yeah. Uh, And then at the end, they have like the nice family reunion and they decide they'll all go out for pizza. And then Grandpa says, but I hate pizza. And it's da-da-da-da-da-da. Ha. Um, The version of the movie that I saw ends with like this little button scene where the kids fight these bullies that they had faced earlier in the movie and they get back the girlfriend's bike. The girl had her bike stolen earlier and then the three brothers play this basketball game against uh, you know, the bullies, which definitely reminded me of Hook, by the way. They lose the game and then at the end they get the bike back. They don't lose the basketball game. I was reading today that apparently that happens in the international version I watched the version on Hoopla, which is a streaming service that uh, uses your library card, and I guess it was the international version. It didn't say international version anywhere on the screen, but in the movie I watched, they lose that basketball game, they don't get the bike then, and they do it at the end of the movie. You saw something different? What? Yeah. This basketball scene is the only thing I remember from this movie. And this basketball scene is ridiculous. And the only version I've ever seen is the American version. And that is where there are these bullies and they take the love into the crush. Let's call it the crush. Okay, fine. The crush's bike. And they go and they challenge these guys. The guys say, yeah, let's play it at 10. Standard score. And they say, fine. We'll spot you nine. Do they do that in your version? Yes. Okay. So they're suddenly down nine nothing. And in my version, they just score ten points in a row. It's just ridiculous. It's stupid. There's no reason why the other guys can't score. They're doing things like they throw the basketball right in the guy's face and then bounce it off his nose, like, back to him. It's just, like, kid tricks. And then at the very end, you know how he scores the 10th point? Of course. I don't know. I watched the wrong version. 
Take a guess. It's a 90s film, and there's a real good beat going on during this montage. And they win. He slam dunks it? The camera is right on the ground, and he does that, like, jump from underneath, and he does dunk. Ugh. It sounds like the version I saw was exactly the same up until that 10th point. They do all of their stupid moves. They get nine points in a row, and then the bully, like, knocks the kid down and then scores the one point. Oh, in our version, he does that in the ninth point, and then Colt, like, puts up his fist, and Rocky's like, no, remember what Sensei said. And then they just win on the 10th point with the slam dunk. The idea of spotting them the nine points, you're right, is stupid, but that's because... The crush is calling him a show-off, you know, so that is why she calls him a show-off, because he didn't need to do that, and he's, like, really trying to showboat to impress her, and he doesn't need to showboat to impress her, because she likes him for who he is. I know, right? Did your sister at the time when this came out have a crush on any of these boys? I don't know, But since she's not here, I'm going to say, yes, she had a huge crush on the littlest one, (laughs) Tum-Tum. And ha-ha, you can't argue with me, Sam. You can send me a mean text, but that's all you can do. Ha-ha, it's in the podcast. It's on the internet forever. And finally, the movie ends, and there's this song called Kid Power. I listened to the entire song. It was amazing. Let me play you a clip of it. Power the Kid Power. I mean, it's so 90s. It's just, it's amazing. It's so 90s. I mean, 90s was also the era of grunge. I mean, what does that mean? This came out in 1992, so this is probably filmed, you know, 91 or something. Kid Power, it was uh, performed by Will Rock, Mm -hmm. R-O-C. I don't think he had heard Nevermind yet. Maybe, you don't know. It's cheesy as all hell. There's lines of dialogue from, like, the kids, and, like, it's laughably bad, this song. But this song and these credits led into three ninjas kick back, three ninjas knuckle up, and three ninjas high noon at Mega Mountain. Something like that. Yeah, when you mentioned them last time, you forgot about knuckle up. Uh, You thought it was a trilogy. You didn't realize it was a quadrilogy. I did not. It's crazy that they kept making all of these movies. I think Grandpa is the same in some of them, all of them, maybe. I'm not sure. Most of the actors are different. Hulk Hogan was in the last one, apparently. I mean, it's bonkers that this became a franchise. Oh, I don't think so, because it just seems incredibly cheap to make. Just get some kid actors. And, you know, they actually had a decent number of the kids in the first three of them that were the same. I think Rocky was the same kid in all three of them. And then the Tom Tom and and, uh, the other one were the same in one and three. But like you said, they were filmed out of order and probably released in different orders. Yeah, I guess that people were kind of confused. Like, why does Rocky look like the first Rocky again? You can get away with it in a movie like this and in a franchise like this. Also, I said I loved this movie when I was 12. I'm sure by the time I was 14, I wouldn't have wanted to see a Three Ninjas movie in the theater again. You know, a different movie. Like, I'm sure I was totally over it. You know, I was too cool at that point. So I think the the shelf life 
for these movies is really, really small. Like you're you're catering to a very specific demographic that's going to age out of it quickly. So, you know, if you're only interested in kids 8 to 12, in the years in between sequels, you're just going to lose your audience. But let me ask you, James, do you think that Three Ninjas stands the test of time? You know, I'd want to immediately say no. It's a terrible film. But it's very interesting what you just said, that I'm sure my 12-year-old self loved this film. And that's what this film is. This is not a film for us. I'm not really sure this is a film for even 12 or 13-year-olds. So, you know, I'm curious to find out if your 12-year-old son liked this film. It's just so stupid. Does it stand the test of time? I don't know. It's a crappy kids film. They still make crappy kids films. However, I don't necessarily think a kid today wants to watch a 90s film with kids that don't look like them. I mean, these kids have such 90s uh, hairdos. I think, honestly, a six or seven year old kid would like this. I really think eight years old is pushing it for this film. It's not as good as, say, like a Home Alone. Home Alone's a genuinely charming film. I will say that this film is definitely better than it had any right to be. I was expecting it to be horrible. Horrible, horrible, horrible. It turned out it was not as good as Home Alone, and even though it ripped that off. And it was certainly not as good as The Karate Kid, which it you know, hoped it could be. It had charming elements with, uh, with Grandpa. I thought the kid actors were fine. The choreography with the uh, you know, stuntmen that were totally not stuntmen, and it was Victor Wong. Um, I, sure. I, thought those, I thought that ninja was pretty awesome. But, I mean, I, I just can't say that this is a film that stands up. I, I just think it's just too stupid. Maybe I'm wrong about this. I'm really curious what your kids thought. I did kind of, like, smile a little bit at, like, one or two things. But, you know, that does not make a film good. It just makes it not as horrible as I thought. But good for these kids and good for these producers for making a fun little uh, hour and a half for Alan and Samantha Noah to keep cool in that hot California 1992 sun. Yeah, I don't know that it was... A particularly hot summer, but sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with that, I will say that no, Three Ninjas does not stand the test of time. But uh, what did you think? And also, what did your kids think? So I watched this movie with my son, Eli. My daughter wasn't interested. And honestly, I only watched, I think, the first two thirds with Eli. Then he had to go to baseball or something. And he must have said, Dad, pause it. Come on. I got to find out what happens at the end. Come on. No, he didn't care about missing the end of the movie. Apparently, my son at 12 years old is cooler than I was at 12 years old. This is not surprising in the least. He was over it. A couple of things about this movie that don't stand the test of time. They use the R word. There is a dare water bottle in the kid's room, you know, D-A-R-E. What did that stand for? Drug Drug, R. Uh, so they would tell you, well, the way you do is you look at it backwards. It's education about the resistance of the abuse of drugs. 
Uh, I just Googled it. It stands for Drug Abuse Resistance Education. I just told you that. You said it backwards. It was weird. I said, yeah, this is exactly how they would die. I remember hearing the pitch for D.A.R.E. I, I think I saw it on like a video or something. And that's how the police officer said it. It was written on the board, but he said, you read it backwards. It's the education about the resistance uh, uh, against the abuse of drugs. But that's so stupid. But drug abuse resistance education is stupid, too. It makes more sense than saying it backwards. Drug abuse resistance? Yeah. Education? Yeah. It's stupid. I'm just saying it's less stupid <laughs> than saying it backwards. They're both stupid. Fine. Um, but that that kind of made me laugh. Uh, and then uh, at one point, they're singing on top of Old Smokey. You know, that song that kids sing. Except he says, I shot my old teacher with a 44 gun. Wow. Yeah, can't say that now. Does not stand the test of time. No jokes about kids shooting teachers. No, 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 no. Capital letters and O. But to be fair, that is only sung by a child in a children's film because that was filmed at a time that this is so ridiculous. That's the same reason that my pediatric kids, they love wearing T-shirts of T-Rexes that would eat them in a second because there's no real danger of being eaten by a T-Rex. In 1992, there really was no danger of a school shooting. So you can make this joke. It worked. Right. But it doesn't stand the test of time. But I have to say... I thought this movie was surprisingly charming. And as a father, I do watch a lot of kids' movies with my kids. And there are some great kids' movies that have come out just in the lifetime of my kids. There's also some really, really bad movies that they make. The first one that pops into my head is Clifford the Big Red Dog. I'm assuming you didn't see that because you don't have kids and why would you? But that movie was garbage. So, so, so painfully terrible. And it had like stupid one-liners throughout the movie. Honestly, the stupid one-liners in Three Ninjas are way better than the stupid one-liners in Clifford the Big Red Dog. Also, I'm sure that this movie made a lot more money in terms of how much they spent on it versus how much it made at the box office than Clifford the Big Red Dog in part because of COVID, but also like they had to spend a lot of money on those special effects for that stupid big red dog. Anyway, some kids' movies are great. Some kids' movies are bad. To say that a bad kids' movie wouldn't be made today is not true. They do still make bad kids' movies. I was really thinking about this. Have we ever watched a movie on this podcast that I said was so bad, it's good? I don't think that I have, and part of the quote-unquote problem of having a podcast running for six-plus years is I don't really remember everything, but I feel like that's more of something that, like, no offense, you would say, James. You're like, oh, it's a Van Damme movie, and it's terrible, but I still love it because it's fun. I feel like I'm more in the camp of there's good and there's bad, and if something's bad, it's bad, and I don't like it, but that elusive thing of something that's so bad it's good, that's really hard to find. And I kind of felt like maybe Three Ninjas is so bad, it's kind of good. Other than those couple of things that I mentioned earlier, there's not a ton in this movie that doesn't stand the test of time. I think it's just a cheesy, low-budget movie that you could absolutely make today. And even though I don't think it's great, I'm going to say 
it does stand the test of time. So that's going to do it for us this week. Next week, we're going to be talking about another movie that came out in 1992. The following week after Three Ninjas, we're going to be talking about Stay Tuned, starring John Ritter. I remember seeing this movie in the same theater in California. And like Three Ninjas, I don't think I've seen it since then in 30 years. But I'm really excited to rewatch Stay Tuned. I saw Stay Tuned exactly once in 1992, and I have not seen it since, so I'm looking forward to seeing that film as well. That is going to be a fun episode. Make sure you don't miss it by being subscribed to us on whatever podcast platform you like best, Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever. If you are on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review. Say something nice about us. I will read it on a future episode. It will warm our hearts. We love it when you do that. Thank you in advance. And of course, talk to us on social media. We are at Test of Time Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Bye, everybody. Bye.